following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We carry on through our day as if everything is just fine. But for many of us, it's merely a mask covering up all the emotion simmering just under the surface. Welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership with Shamin Sadiq. In this program, you'll hear from others who face the same adversities in life as the rest of us. But these individuals have redirected their energies to creating extraordinary ideas and concepts. Find out what they are and what's behind the motive. Now, here is your host, Shamin Sadiq. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I'm your host, Shamin Sadiq. And I'm speaking to you today on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, and I am speaking to you from my home in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, It's been a busy time. It's been a very busy time. And the topic for today is overwhelm, dealing with overwhelm, because goodness knows that's what I've been dealing with. And it's not just me. I've noticed this in many of you, many of you who have spoken to me about what is happening with you these days have reported a similar phenomenon. There are just so many responsibilities, so many uh, things that we've said yes to, so many exciting things and so many um, obligations, family, children, aging parents, spouse, homes, Uh, All that in and of itself would be enough. Then add on top of that the pressures at work, the uh, complex demands that are placed upon us there, the uh, targets that feel unreasonable. How are we supposed to do so much more with so much less? I've been asking myself questions about this too. And I thought I'd begin uh, by, first of all, giving you the phone number because I'd love it if you'd uh, call in and join the conversation with me if you're dealing with overwhelm, if you're wondering, how do I stay centered in the midst of the storm? Um, let's have a conversation. Call me at one 346 9141 and let's spend a little bit of time exploring this together. Last year, in April, I was supposed to go to China. I had a business trip that a very, very dear friend of mine had arranged for me. He was a big supporter of mine, big supporter of my work and the work that we both do, actually. And he wanted to uh, give me some opportunities to expose uh, his clients in China to the work that um, he and I both were engaged in, leadership consulting, executive coaching, and really this work of coming back home to who we really are. Uh, Nonetheless, he had put an enormous effort into arranging this one-week trip to China for me. I was going to go to two different cities. I had multiple speaking engagements, uh, many clients who were very eager to hear what I had to say. And about a week before the trip, I was so burnt out, I didn't know which way was up. I had taught multiple trainings over consecutive weeks in multiple cities. 
my kids were busy and home life was rich and full. I was not doing the best job of taking care of myself throughout all of this. And there was a certain amount of excitement associated with it all. I mean, I, I'm popular. I'm in demand. People want to work with me. This felt good until it didn't. I remember sitting with my energy therapist and saying, uh, you know, uh, I'll take a break in the summer. I know I'm going to China next week and then I come back and then I've got this and that and the other. I'll take a break in August. That's when things will slow down for me. And she looked at me and said, if you make it to August. And I realized that she was right. I was in pretty grave danger. And I'm not being overly dramatic. I have suffered in my life from chronic fatigue. That is my uh, Achilles heel, if you like. When I overdo it, when I take on too much, when I say yes, when I really ought to say, let me get back to you on that and think a little bit more deeply instead of being so reflexive, uh, I end up exhausted. I end up, sometimes the exhaustion is so deep that I can feel the energy draining right out of my body into the ground. And I remember a day where I couldn't even get out of bed. I was so tired. So I realized that was the precipice that I was standing on at that moment. And I made a very difficult decision, an extremely difficult decision. And that was to phone my friend, phone my colleague and say, you know what? I'm really sorry. I'm not going to be coming to China. And I agonized over making this phone call for about a day. Um, time was drawing close. The trip was, was imminent and I needed to say something. And I was almost at the point where if I didn't say anything, I was going to have to go. And I knew that if I went, I was going to suffer greatly. So I made the call and he was gracious uh, and disappointed and he did the tour himself. He took on the speaking engagements. He met with the clients. He made my apologies, and he handled it. And I think it was a I think it was a successful trip. Um, he was nice enough to to not hold it against me. It hasn't damaged our relationship, and I'm very very lucky to have deep friendships and relationships with my colleagues so that they can withstand these kinds of blows. But I tell you. That was just about the hardest thing I ever had to do, was to disappoint another to be true to myself. And I'm using um, the words of Oriah Mountain Dreamer. If you've read her poem, The Invitation, this is what she says. She says, I don't care who you are or who you've studied with or how great you are or how much money you make. Are you willing to disappoint another to be true to yourself? And the answer last year was yes. So I thought I'd learned my lesson. I thought that uh, that, was, that was a good lesson. I was going to take care of myself, and I spent that week. I didn't fill it with client work. I didn't fill it with anything. I actually took a week and really rested. And I slowly, slowly uh, came back into a more full sort of energy than what I had. And I find myself here, so now it's, what, uh, 18 months later? Wondering if I'm approaching that same precipice. And I've been feeling in the last few weeks... Like time is going by so fast. The demands are great. The joy 
in meeting the demands and saying yes to the requests is fantastic. I have a wonderful, stable practice with many, many clients who, some of whom have been with me, working with me for years, uh, others who are just beginning, some who are completing, and it's been such a blessing to work with all of these wonderful humans. I have uh, corporate work uh, uh, requests coming in left, right, and center, new opportunities to pursue, lots of good stuff. And I've got a full, full personal life too. I have two children. One is in basketball. We're really busy. Somehow in between all of that, I managed to get some food and put it on the table. It's not usually food that I've cooked, which is um, a bit disappointing to me, but I've managed to deal with the not having to do everything myself. And I recognized a few weeks ago that I was approaching that place where that fatigue and that overwhelm was hmm, perhaps drawing a little closer than I felt comfortable with. So I've been asking myself, and I've been in discussion with many of you on this too, how do we gauge where we are? How do we, uh, what yardstick will we use to decide whether to say yes to something, whether to say no to something? Because the obvious way forward is, okay, if I've got a lot of things on my plate, perhaps I shouldn't take on as many things. Maybe I could make the plate a bit um, more empty. I could just clear a few things off. But I also think there's something to this. I was fortunate this past weekend to take a a three-day training in family constellations, and the facilitator was uh, just phenomenal. Uh, Lovely, lovely trainer came from, and practitioner came from Argentina to work with us. And one of the things that he said that really struck me was um, he was talking about self-care. As somebody asked him, how do you take care of yourself? And he said, by not hanging on to anything. He said, I take care of myself by letting everything just pass through me. And then when I go home, he said, I get grounded. He said, when you're out and about and you're flying from place to place and people are coming to work with you, he said, uh, it's easy to to sort of go into a, oh, I'm so great, I'm so high, I'm so much better, I'm up here, I'm so good. And what he said was, when I come home, I want to get close to the earth. Well, I love that. And those of you who know me know that uh, I've been cultivating a relationship with the earth over the past years that has really, really served. And I continue to cultivate this relationship because there is so much more for me to learn about how I can partner with the earth and draw upon her resources to ground me, keep my feet on the ground so that my head doesn't get uh, too much into the stars. And uh, But the, the part that I think is most important for this conversation is is the piece about not hanging on to things, letting things flow through instead of holding on so tightly. In the context of his work, uh, I think what he was saying was, you know, if I work with someone and I help them see something in their family system, as soon as it's over, I, I let it go. I don't carry the whatever learning that person took out of it. I don't carry that with me. And I think there's something for me as a person who also works with humans, although I don't normally do constellations, I do work with humans in other ways, to learn from that. How can I take the work and let it flow through me, not hang on to it, not feel the need to carry something that is not mine to carry. How to leave the things that are for other people with them 
and only take the things with me that are mine to take? Big, big questions. So the other thing about my life at the moment is um, I have a new relationship. And uh, those of you who have been listening to my show since February have heard little snippets of my, uh, my relationship journey through this time. I'm the single mother of two children who are um, entering their teens. One is entering his teens, the other is in his tweens. And life is really busy, and I've enjoyed the independence that I have grown into since ending my marriage three years ago, and I'm enjoying being in relationship and and learning about myself also through relationship. And so the, the man that I am currently in relationship with and I were speaking last night and I said to him, you know, I had such a busy weekend. It was so hectic and so crazy. And I have this big pile of stuff on my desk that I really want to get through. And I've been looking at that pile of stuff and I've been asking myself, how am I going to deal with this pile of stuff? There's no time. There's not enough time. And I said to him, you know, I've been considering the possibility that I might just not deal with it. I might just take some of that stuff and just shred it and just not deal with it. It's been sitting there for almost a year, some of it, and I haven't done anything with it yet. I wonder if it's possible that I don't actually have to do anything with it. And so he and I had a a phenomenal conversation where he invited me to do, and this is hilarious because it's so obvious, it's so right in front of me and I didn't even see it. He said, what if you made a list of the pros and cons, the pros of of doing it, the cons of doing it, and then sort of see where, where it all balances out. And I just, I laughed inside to myself. I said, wow, I tend to make things so much more complicated than they need to be. What if I actually did that? What if I did a sort of rational assessment of, you know, why am I keeping this stuff here and what do I actually need to do with it? And so this morning I spent a bit of time. I was supposed to be in Chicago today doing what I call a power circle. And the number of registrations was a bit less than I had hoped for. And it didn't really make sense from either a financial business or a group dynamic perspective to go forward with it. So I decided to let it go. I, uh, I canceled the session and I think that there may have been a couple of disappointed people. But uh, knowing that so many of us are in this overwhelm that we've all been feeling, it's likely that some of them were actually relieved that they now had a day to themselves. And I too was relieved to have a day to myself. So the urge this morning was to rush home after dropping the kids off so that I could get to work, so that I could get caught up, so I could deal with that pile of stuff on my desk. But instead I said, let me go and stop at a coffee shop. I'll take my journal, I'm going to go sit, I'm going to buy myself a coffee, and I'm going to just sit down and take stock of where I'm at with this. And maybe I'll even do that rational assessment that he had invited me to do. And so I did. I sat down and I I drew two columns. And first I I wrote why to do it, uh, do it being kind of deal with the paper that was on my desk. And then the other was um, why to let it go. But as I started to document my my answers to those questions, I realized that the second column was really about what does this pile represent? And the more I wrote about what that pile represented, the more I realized what a drain that pile of stuff on my desk is for me, what a drain on my energy, what a drain on my enthusiasm, how it um, gives me yet another reason every time I look at it to punish myself for not being good enough, not being organized, for being behind the eight ball. 
And I've heard myself say this many, many times over past weeks. I'm so disorganized. I wish I could just get on track. If I could just get everything settled and organized, then I'd be okay. And I thought, geez, this is a pattern I've lived out forever. When it comes to my personal receipts, I like to enter them into Quicken. And um, I've done that for years, but I never, I actually don't like to do it. I, I feel like I have to do it. I don't actually enjoy doing it. So the pile piles up until I've got six, month, six months worth of, of papers and little receipts of, from every transaction that I conduct on my desk. And then I ask myself, okay, uh, now I should probably get to that. I should probably get it done. It takes me a month to get my act together to even sit down and address that pile. And when I do, it's two days at least of misery where all I'm doing is entering numbers into the computer. So I said, maybe there's a possibility that this pile of stuff is not serving me. It's not serving me to punish myself, to continually remind myself of how behind I am. So I ask myself, what purpose does it serve? Okay, there's a positive purpose. I'm keeping a record. Um, And then there's a very negative purpose, which is it keeps me stuck and it keeps me distracted. Then I said, okay, if if the positive purpose is to keep a record, how could I do that differently? And I came up with some ideas. I could just keep the bank statements. Then I'd know what money I'd spent. And if I ever really needed to look up how much did I spend on groceries last year, I could grab 12 bank statements and do a quick scan and probably figure it out within a few minutes. I could um, pay my bills as soon as I receive them so that at least the bills that are uh, outstanding are not piling up on my desk. And I could create a small list of the automatic payments that come out of my bank account. In other words, um, I looked for different ways to serve the same purpose. And all of these ways were very appealing to me because they didn't require as much energy as sitting here for two days and putting every single one into my computer. And so I challenged myself to come home and do it differently. And I did. And we're about to go to a break, but when we come back, I'll tell you a little bit more about what I noticed and how this, even today, has helped me. So, this is Stories from the Heart of Leadership. We're talking about, well, we're talking about dealing with overwhelm. We're talking about self-care. And I'd love it if you'd join me after the break. If you'd like to call in at 1-888-346-9141, please do, and join the conversation. I'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. If you have a question or comment, or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shameen an email. Her email address is shameen at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. Welcome back. This is Shamin Sadik. I'm your host on Stories from the Heart of Leadership. And our topic today is self-care, dealing with overwhelm. Now, I've talked about self-care on a previous show, and um, we were talking a lot about meeting our simple basic needs. Today, we're, we're sort of on the advanced version, although those things are still really important. Am I getting enough sleep? Am I drinking enough water? Am I eating food that is of um, a high nutritive value? Often for me, when I get overwhelmed and I feel like that fatigue and that um, that uh, feeling of things kind of closing in on me is coming, that I'm not doing any of those three things particularly well. I used to drink so much water. It used to be my go-to drink, but I've, I've gotten in the habit of drinking coffee and I love green tea. And while a little bit of any of that is not a bad thing, I, I have to remember to, um, to drink more water during the day. And so if that's useful for you, uh, take it, use it, do it. Eat some good foods. Eat foods that have rich nutrition to offer. Popcorn for dinner is um, not supposed to happen every day. And that was a a hard one for me when my kids and I first began uh, this chapter of our lives living uh, alone, living without their father. Uh, they would go to him every other week. They they spend every other week with their dad and every other week with me. On the days when they were with their dad, I would eat popcorn for dinner some nights, two, three nights in a row. And um, want to see your energy drain away quickly. Um, do that for a few days. Not good. So um, eat your veggies. Have some greens. Have some protein and some carbohydrates and a nice uh, nice balance of all. Find a nutrition uh, consultant or someone to help you figure out how to get what you need if, if you don't know how to meet that need yourself. There are plenty of free resources on the internet too. So water, good food, and rest. Um, simple basic needs. My energy therapist is constantly reminding me about that because I'm constantly forgetting about that. Not constantly, but over and over again, I forget about that. Anyway, before the break, I was talking about what I was noticing today when I just did an experiment with one thing that was weighing me down. In the spirit of finding it easier to do things, to serve a purpose in a more easy way, I needed to think about this differently. And one of the things that helped me to think about this pile of receipts on my desk differently was to ask myself what the pile represents 
and what purpose does it serve if I, um, when I actually take care of that pile in the way that I was? The way that I was was time consuming. It was um, heavy. It was effort intense for me. Maybe for you, entering your receipts into Quicken every day is a is a great thing to do. And if if it is, have at it. Keep going. It's not about what choices I made. It's more about the thinking process that I went through. That's what I'm trying to share with you here. Anyway, it was fascinating to me to notice what happened. I came home. I I kind of glanced through the the piles, and I said, which receipts do I need to keep? If I need to keep something, then I'll keep it. But if I don't, I won't. So if it's got something to do with taxes. Or if I'm going to need evidence that I paid for something like uh, household items that might be under warranty, I'll keep those receipts and I'll put them away somewhere um, <clears throat> later. I'll figure out where they go later. But let me shred anything that isn't uh, that. And I, I retain my bank statements. I retain my credit card statements. All the things that I need for a paper trail I've got. But the actual transaction receipts, I began to shred them. And as I shred them, I noticed a few things. First of all, I was a bit scared when I got started. I thought, oh my God, once I shred this stuff, it's gone forever. Won't I feel some sort of a loss if I, you know, like, like I'm losing some ground or something underneath me if I do this? And I actually noticed that that was not the case. I, I did, I, what I noticed was I didn't feel like I was losing anything as I, as I let them go. The other thing I noticed was that as I glanced through them, I enjoyed a fleeting memory of what each receipt represented. Oh, there's the restaurant I went to with my kids after that day of skating. Or, oh, there's the sushi place where they had such good food. Um, And I just got to sort of smile and feel gratitude for being able to enjoy the things that I had enjoyed. Oh, I remember that movie that we went to. And, oh, look at all the groceries I bought with the money that I've made. Isn't that wonderful? I was feeding my family. So I just began to feel some gratitude for everything that I have been able to to, uh, invest money in and spend money on. And then I noticed that these receipts represent the past. And I began to ask myself a question, and I'm only in the beginning of uh, noticing that this question is weighty and important for me. What um, if I was carrying around the burden or the the um, heaviness of this pile of receipts, and the receipts actually represent things that have happened in the past? Where else am I doing that? Where else am I carrying the past around with me? Carrying it like a huge, heavy suitcase that sometimes I carry in my hand, sometimes I switch to the other hand, my arm gets tired, my shoulder hurts, sometimes I hoist it up above my head and rest it on the back of my head or the top of my head or maybe on my shoulders. How many other places might I be carrying the past around with me? And as I continued to shred and purge and let these um, receipts go, I just began to feel lighter and lighter. And I'm positive that since this only happened this morning, I am only in the beginning of the harvesting of the benefits of my willingness to find another way. I wanted to share it with you, though, because I like to share what's present with me, and I feel like uh, there may be a process here for all of us to use in terms of thinking about things differently, thinking about ways to do the same thing, to accomplish the same purpose, but to do it with more ease, to do it in a way that doesn't use us up or burden us quite as much, to find ways to create the results that we want with more grace. 
And this was an example of something very, very present and tangible for me that I found really helpful. So I was thinking about all of this self-care and dealing with overwhelm. And I've been thinking about it for some time. And I'd love it if you would call in and share what you're noticing about how you deal with overwhelm. If you'd like to join the conversation for a few moments with me, call me at one 888 346-9141. I want to hear how you have managed to navigate this um, challenging terrain that so many of us are in. So I've been thinking about another thing, which I named earlier, which is what is a yardstick that I can hold up? And by yardstick, what I mean is something that is, maybe we call it a yardstick, maybe we could call it a stake, but something that is sort of solid that I can hold on to and measure things up against. So, for example, uh, if I say, if you're like me and you reflexively say yes when people ask you to do something, a yardstick to me is a way, is something to, to say, okay, before I say yes to this, Let me hear the person's request and let me measure it against this yardstick and let me see if it, um, where it measures up. If it, if it doesn't have anything to do with what really matters to me, then perhaps I'll say no. If I'm not sure, maybe I could say, let me get back to you on that and then go think a little bit more and just let the question of whether I really want to do that or not sink in a little before I respond. And then there may be things where the request comes the yardstick is exactly um, in alignment with the request, and, and, and I decide, yes, I will say yes to this right in this moment. And there are other possibilities here, too. But I think that the point is, um, sometimes when our nature is to just say yes, it is helpful, or this is my hypothesis anyway, that it would be helpful to have something to measure these requests against so that I can know whether I want to say yes to them or not. And so I did some work. Uh, I was telling you about this last week. Last week we were talking about hope and fear. And um, I was telling you about some work that I did recently with a coach to kind of get a sense of what my life purpose is, the the version of it that is um, really resonant right in this moment. And I thought that that would help me. I thought that that would give me a yardstick. I also was talking about my vision. And I think I shared my vision with you last time, which is that um, every child on the planet goes to sleep each night knowing that they are or feeling like they are safe, loved, and enough. Um, a beautiful vision that I still still resonates with me, still feels very present. I'm pretty sure it's going to endure the test of time with me, that vision. I'm not sure that I'll ever... Uh, fully realize it in my lifetime but that's okay because visions are supposed to be big but the thing that I wanted to have to go along with that was a sense of purpose what what am I here for what what is it that I'm here to to do or what am I here to represent what is the 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 reason that I am here about a year ago I started to ask myself this question and I wrote this poem called no idea which is um I smile when I read the title. Uh, Obviously, I had no idea. And so I asked, who am I? Why am I here? What is the thing that I'm called to offer now that means the world to me? And the answer that came in my poem is this. I am a soul living in this temporary body. I am a lover. I am a mother to the children. 
We live in this beautiful temporary home. I'm here to love and to be loved. I'm here to be guided and to guide. And then I asked myself, what is calling me now? And the answer came, surrender deeply to love. When I can remember that I am walking in partnership with spirit and earth, things are good. So I forgot that I wrote that until today, just before the show, I was roaming through my stack of poetry looking for some inspiring things to share with you. And I'm not sure if that inspires you or not, but it caught my attention. And I think it caught my attention because of the very last line, when I can remember that I'm walking in partnership with spirit and earth, things are good. In other words, when I can remember that I'm not the only one, when I can remember that I'm not here all by myself, that it's not all up to me. Because when I say yes reflexively, I believe that there's an underlying belief that I hold that it is all up to me, that if I don't do it, it's not going to get done, that if I don't do it, nobody else will. And I just want to challenge that. If, if that is something that you recognize in yourself too, um, my invitation to you is to sit in the challenge of that. Is that really true? Is it really necessary for you or me to say yes to everything? Is it true that you're the only one who can do it? Is it true that if you don't do it, it won't get done? Is it true that if you say no, you won't be loved? I don't think it's true. It may be that some people feel disappointed if I say no. It may be that someone who wants to work with me will have to go and find someone else to work with if I say no. Maybe they'll find someone even better for them. Maybe they'll find that they, they can figure it out on their own. I think of kids. You know, uh, when, my younger, when my kids were younger, they went to Montessori school. And in Montessori school, their philosophy is you shouldn't do something for a child if they can do it for themselves. And as a mother, especially a mother who likes to do things and say yes to things, this was very hard for me to sort of take in. I like to do everything for my kids. But I learned quickly and early in their lives that they are actually very, very capable and competent. And I was reminded of that again this weekend. In this course that I was taking, um, I was reminded that we're all, we all have resources. Now, if, if I'm a baby, of course, that's, that's a little bit different. If I have a baby, a newborn baby, or a, a very small child, of course, you have to do a lot of things to help care for that child. But a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old, the ages of my kids, they can actually do quite a bit themselves. And adults, they can too. All of us can do many things for ourselves. And so if you, like me, work in one of the helping professions or human development professions, just pay attention. That's what I'm inviting myself to do, is pay attention to where do I take on things because of my reflexive need to either please or control and say yes when it might actually be more empowering for me to let somebody else do that, for me to let someone else take responsibility for that one. And I certainly think for my own well-being and my own um, thriving, I couldn't possibly take on everything. I couldn't be everything to everyone. I couldn't take on every piece of work. I sh Every client that comes doesn't have to work with me. There are many other capable people who could serve them. 
And I know that when I say yes, I'm 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 probably in the landscape of of one of three things, or maybe a little bit of all of these three. I could be in the landscape of ego, um, and that's very very likely uh, much of the time. It's nice to be wanted. It's lovely to be in demand. I remember when I first started in this work, I would look up at my teachers. I would watch them. Um, everybody loved them. Everybody wanted to work with them. And I thought, when is that going to be me? When will they all want me? And um, now I know what it's like to have that feeling. And yes, there's a certain amount of ego gratification of being the chosen one or the one who gets asked all the time, the one who they all want to work with. So there's a bit of ego um, playing in here. There's also passion. I am passionate about the work that I do. And so often my yes is motivated by passion, a desire to um, live my purpose, to, to be of service, to help make things better. And that is another reason why I would say yes. And the third is fear. As a solopreneur, and hey, you know what? You don't have to be a solopreneur to have this experience. I know plenty of people who have jobs, who work in companies, who have senior positions in organizations that worry about the same thing. If I say no, will they let me go? Will they not want me anymore? Will they say, oh, he's not very good at that, or he wasn't very accommodating, or she wasn't very nice to us that time. Um, She didn't do what we said we wanted her to do. Uh, there's a lot of fear that comes in the landscape of my reflexive yes. And so, again, I think it's just helpful to take a look. Am I saying yes because I'm afraid that if I say no, something bad will happen? Am I saying yes because I'm so admired and so proud of all the admiration that I have and I got to keep that up? Um, which is really another version of the same of the fear. You know, if I say no, then maybe they won't think I'm as great as they think I am now. So I have to keep saying yes. And third, um, am I saying yes because it's something I'm really, really passionate about? We're about to take a break, but before we do, I want to acknowledge my sponsors, Jim Anderson and Dan Holden. You can find Jim at fit2lead.com. That's F-I-T-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. And you can find Dan at danielholdenassociates.com. And there are links to both of their sites from my host page on the Voice America uh, website. So you can look in either of those places or just Google Jim Anderson and Dan Holden to find them there. Thank you so much, both of you, for your sponsorship of Stories from the Heart of Leadership. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, um, we'll be in our final segment of this exploration of dealing with overwhelm. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. If you have a question or comment, or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamin an email. Her email address is shameen at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. Now, back to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Welcome back to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. This is Shamin Sadik, your host, and we're talking about dealing with overwhelm and how to take care of ourselves and how to come back to center when things get kind of stormy. And we've been talking about uh, two things, mainly, what, what is the yardstick? What is the, the measure to hold on to, to assess whether to say yes to something? Um, so I guess this show is especially for those of you who tend to say yes reflexively. And you know what? You might be the ones who like to be loved, who like it when people really like you and um, care a lot about what other people think. Uh, if so, um, I welcome you. I, I am uh, firmly in that camp. I'm one, of, I'm one of you and you're one of me. And there, you may be the ones who like to be in control. You may be the ones who feel like if something's going to get done right, it better get done by you and it could only be done by you. And I sometimes find myself in that, uh, in that camp too. So welcome if that's uh, the type of person that you are. Uh, both these types have trouble saying no for their own reasons. And saying no uh, or saying yes reflexively and over and over again and always is what for me leads me to overwhelm every single time. And so we've been talking about this notion of yardstick, and we've also been talking about how to make it easier, how to do things, do the same thing or accomplish or serve the same purpose, but to do it in a way that is more graceful, more easy, where you don't lose anything, but you gain a lot more ease, you gain a lot more lightness, you gain um, some released energy, some liberation of energy that you can then put into something else. And so it leads me to the third piece of this, which is kind of related to the yardstick and kind of related to doing things with more ease. It really is the question, what really matters to me? And the more that I live this particular little piece of this chapter of my journey, the more important that question has become. 
if I had gone ahead with the power circle in Chicago today, my plan was to make what really matters to me the focus and to help people really get a sense of what really matters to them. And I think it's a worthwhile exploration. Uh, I'd like to share a little bit about what I've been noticing about myself on that question. But what I'm realizing may be even more important than the answer to that question is simply the question itself. What if that was the question that I asked myself when somebody makes a request or when there's something on my plate that I am faced with? Maybe that is the question to ask. What really matters to me in this moment? Sometimes it might really matter to me to have a record of every expenditure. Uh, That might be a really important thing. And if that does matter, I know I've got the information here and I can go grab it and, and I can make a list or I can, you know, do computation or whatever I need to do. Sometimes it might really matter to answer that email that I haven't answered Um, one of many, if you're any of the people who are waiting for a response from me, uh, part of why I haven't gotten back to you is because I'm overwhelmed. So maybe uh, what really matters to me in this moment is actually taking 10 minutes and writing even a short response to those outstanding questions. Maybe what matters to me in this moment is to go outside and connect with nature, to go get a break, get a walk, get some sun, get some fresh air, Um, If you live where I do, it's quite a bit cooler these days, but it hasn't started snowing yet. Well, we had a few flakes on Saturday, but no snow has um, stayed on the ground. It's still perfectly safe to walk outside. Go for a walk. Breathe. Listen to the sounds of nature around you. Maybe that's what matters most. What really matters to me? It may be the question that is the yardstick more than the answer. And so I asked myself this morning when faced with that pile of receipts, and if I hadn't taken the chance of doing something different with them, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to to have the space to even think about this. But I asked myself, what does this pile, if if I leave the pile as it is or if I deal with the pile in the old way, what does that take me away from? And you know what? It takes me away from my kids it takes me away from being present. It, it meant two days of agonizing, um, just agony, really, where every time my kids would ask me anything, I would bark at them. I was totally not present with them. And you know what? They matter more to me than, than any work that I have on my plate. So what really matters to me is having energy that's available for them, for me, for other people who I love in my life, for um, having a cup of tea and chatting with a friend for a few minutes on the phone. Even if we can't see each other or speak with each other on a regular basis, maybe we can spend 20 minutes together and that would sustain us for the next long period of time when we don't have a chance to speak. What really matters to me is uh, how I relate to other human beings how I connect with another. Those are the things that really matter to me. Mother Teresa has quite a few things to say about this. Um, one of the, thing, the quotes that I love the best is this one. She said, what can you do to promote world peace? Because, you know, a lot of us care about world peace. I, I, I do too. What can you do to promote world peace? She says, go home and love your family. Go home and love your family. 
And you know what? It might be your family in your home. It might be your kids and your spouse and your parents and your siblings. It might be that family. It might be your family at work. Go home and love your family. How many of you are at war at work? How many of you are trying so hard to show that you're better, you're smarter, that you know more, that you are the expert? Go home and love your family if you want world peace. And it could be um, community. It could be with your neighbors. It could be with your neighbors, the country next to you. How many examples do we see in the world where people are at war with each other? Our teacher on the weekend said to us that wars begin because one person decides they're better than another person. You know what really matters to me? Is if we could remember that that's not true, if we could remember that we're all part of the same human family, I think things would be very different. That's what really matters to me. I don't really think that I care as much in this moment about how much money you make, how much money I make, what your sales are. Um, Those things may be important for world peace than they probably are in some industries and for some companies. So this is not to take anything away from any of you who are involved in in such um, pursuits. Uh, We all need money to live and profit is not a bad thing. But what really matters to me is can you remember that the person who you are objectifying, who you are doing violence to, who you are thinking badly of, who you are trying to show up or outdo, is your human sibling? If you could remember that, what would be possible? What might you create together that you couldn't create on your own? I don't know. Maybe it's all woo-woo stuff. Sometimes when I hear myself saying this, I think, oh God, they must think she's preaching again. But... I believe that those are the things that are most important. Do I belong? Am I excluding? How is that serving me and them? Am I worthy of love and connection and belonging? The answer is yes. I am, you are, and we all are. What if we could remember that we're all part of the same human family? Then what future would we commit to creating together? What could we learn from each other? What could we untie instead of cut? We don't have to love everybody. Even if it's your sibling, you don't have to love them. But instead of cutting ties with them, maybe we could untie. We could just undo the knot instead of cutting it right out. What needs to be addressed? How could we address it in a respectful and kind way that doesn't have one person winning and one person losing? These are the things that matter to me. And so when I weigh that against uh, some of the things that keep me tied up in knots here in my own little slice of the world, in my own little house with my own little problems, um, that helps me to put down the past. It helps me to put down some of the burdens that I unnecessarily carry around. It helps me to look for a better way, a more efficient way, a way that frees me up to spend my energy on the things that I love. And you know what I love? I love my kids. I love my life. I love the people in my life who I love to spend time with. Friends, beloved ones, my parents, uh, my grandmother, my little niece who I really don't get to see enough of. That's what really matters to me. 
So nobody has called in, but I've enjoyed this conversation about dealing with overwhelm. I've enjoyed it very much. And I know that even though you haven't called to speak with me about it, that we've been in this conversation together. If there were three things that I wanted you to remember, they would be that you're not the only one. That when the storm comes and you feel like things are swirling out of control, just try to remember that you're not the only one. There are others who are feeling the same swirling and overwhelm that you are. And if it helps, simple things, if it helps to write it on a sticky piece of paper and put it in your office or put it on your fridge or put it somewhere that says, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. Other people are having some similar experience too. If that helps, do it. Do the simple things. If you could see my office right now, you'd see that there are little stickies all over the place. They remind me, even when I'm not reading them, they kind of um, perfume the space that I am in. They, they perfume the air so I can breathe them in and their message and their essence stays with me and informs me and gives me something to hang on to. That's one. You're not the only one. You're not alone. Um, the other is you have resources. It's not all up to you. You don't have to do everything yourself. I guess it's another version of you're not the only one. Um, what could you ask for help with? What could you enlist somebody else to do so that you don't have to take it all on? How could you empower those around you by actually saying, no, I'm not going to do that, but somebody else can? Uh, get your kids to <laughs> simple things. Get them to empty the dishwasher. Uh, teach them how to cook. That's what I've been doing here, and it's amazing. My, my older son can make the most magnificent meals now as a result, which is quite delightful, and he really enjoys it too. It makes him feel important. It makes him feel like he has a place in our family. He's not responsible for the meal every day, but he's a part of it. He's not just some apathetic person sitting there being served and not learning any life skills. So take that and extrapolate it to whatever your context is, whether it's family, whether it's work. How can you empower another by not taking it all on, by actually inviting them to take some of it on too? And the third is, what really matters to you? Use that question as the yardstick. Just play with it. See what happens. Ask yourself in any moment, what really matters to me right now? And then choose based on that. And if it's ego that matters and you want to choose that, yes, go, do it. Why not? If it's passion, choose that. Follow the passion. And if it's fear, follow that too. If that's your choice, be at choice. Ask yourself, does it matter more now to do this out of fear? If it does, go do it. Um, and may those fearful moments eventually over time be, be fewer and fewer. Uh, I will that for, for myself and f I wish that for myself and, and for all of you as well. I want to end with a quote, another quote from Mother Teresa. I guess there's a lot of mother energy here with me today. Here's something that she says and um, she offers this to all of us and I offer it to you uh, through her. May today there be peace within you. May you trust that you are exactly where you are meant to be. May you remember the infinite possibilities that are born of faith in yourself and others. May you use the gifts that you have received and pass on the love that you have been given. May you be content with yourself just the way you are. Let this knowledge settle into your bones and allow your soul the freedom to sing, dance, praise, and love. It is there for each and every one of us. And so I leave you with that. 
I look forward to being with you again next week. I will have a guest next week, so uh, stay tuned for more details on that. I wish you well. I wish you to take care of yourselves, and I look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today for Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Shamin Sadiq will be back next Monday with another extraordinary guest at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope you'll come back as well. Have a terrific week. And remember, you are not alone. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.